What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, as many of us cast our ballots today and watch results come in tonight, our eyes are likely to get pulled to big congressional races, the Senate, the governor's race. But as we've seen over the last few years, whether it's public safety, access to abortion, the courts have a ton of influence. We're talking Illinois Attorney General and Supreme Court races. It's Tuesday, November 8th, Election Day. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. WBEZ criminal justice reporter Shannon Heffernan is here to break down the AG's race. Shannon, welcome back to CityCast Chicago. I appreciate you making time for us this morning. Of course, always love talking to you. When I was a kid, my mom's actually worked at the attorney general's office through, I think she came in with Jim Ryan back in like 95, 96, and then worked through maybe the first decade of Lisa Madigan. But I'm going to be real with you, Shannon. I called her annoyingly dozens of times. She'd pick up, this is Terry with the attorney general's office. I never actually asked her what the AG's (laughs) office does. And so before I cast my final ballot, I thought it was only right that I bring you in to explain this to me. So once again, thank you for doing that. Of course. And, you know, I don't think it's actually that unusual to not know what the attorney general does. I think most people have like this vague understanding that they do something legal but not understanding what the details actually are. But the thing is, this is actually like a really important position in the state. They have a lot of power. So I'm glad we're having a chance to talk about what they do. Let's start with the basics. What does the attorney general do? So the attorney general is the lawyer for the people of the state. So what does that actually mean? It means that they can intervene on behalf of people who live in Illinois. And that comes up in all kinds of situations. So Uh, For example, consumer protections. If you have a company here in Illinois that is behaving badly in some way, the attorney general can step in and do something about that. So think about like the opioid crisis, right? It was Mm -hmm. our attorney general who sued drug companies because of what they had done in terms of marketing and pushing those drugs. So that's something the attorney general can do. But they can also uh, do stuff around labor rights, environmental justice, criminal justice. So it's a really wide range of issues. Right now in Illinois, Kwame Raul has been the attorney general for the last three three or so years. He's running against Republican candidate Tom DeVore. What are some of the big issues on the AG's desk right now? So one thing that's pretty hard to ignore is abortion. Now, here in Illinois, we have pretty strong abortion rights on the books, and Illinois is pretty pro-abortion rights. So it's unlikely you're going to see those rules or laws change. But the attorney general still has a big role to play despite that, because Illinois, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, is like this island in the Midwest, uh, surrounded by a bunch of states um, where people can't get abortions. 
So now that those other states are not only outlawing abortion, but making rules that anybody who helps somebody obtain an abortion could get in trouble, it, it raises concerns for abortion providers that they could get in trouble from those other states. Those other states could come after them in some way. It would be the attorney general's role to step in and protect them. So between Kwame Raul and Tom DeVore, how do these both of these candidates say they would step in? So uh, Kwame Raul has already been pretty um, proactive on abortion rights. Um, He has uh, uh, stepped in and said that he's going to make sure he uh, protects providers here. Tom DeVore, I don't think abortion's really an issue he wants to be talking about, honestly. He's been a little evasive on this question. He has said that um, he protect the law on the books. But when asked about other states, he said, well, that's a very complicated issue, and it's hard for me to say what I do right now. I would, I would turn to the legislature for guidance. I think we both argue that when it comes to talking about the implementation of the Safety Act, uh, neither candidate is really on the fence about their position there. Can you explain how the AG's office impacts the, the continued implementation and where do our candidates fall? Right. The Safety Act does a bunch of things. What we're really talking about here, let me be clear, is the pretrial safety, I'm sorry, pretrial fairness portion of the law, which eliminates cash bail. It basically means that instead of somebody being able to pay money to go free while they await trial, a judge is going to make a decision based purely on the offense the person committed, their risk to safety, and the risk they may flee. So when we're talking about the Safety Act, there's a lot of stuff, but this is really, really where a lot of the tension is. Tom DeVore has really campaigned on this in part. Um, he he thinks that the law is um, unconstitutional. He wants to see it overturned. Kwame Raoul has said, like, look, I actually think there may be some tweaks to the law. I'm not sure if we have the language exactly right. But overall, he says he would defend the law. Are there any other issues right now that the AG's office is dealing with that is of paramount concern going into this uh, election day? So, you know, there's been a lot of attention, like you said, on the Safety Act. But one of the criminal justice issues that I think has gotten less attention, but is a really big deal for us here in Chicago, um, is the consent decree. The U.S. government came in and said, you know, the Chicago Police Department, they're, they're doing an unconstitutional job here in Chicago. And basically, it forces the Chicago Police Department to make all kinds of changes um, to how they operate. And Kwame Raul has been enforcing that consent decree. We asked DeVore about this. He didn't really, he didn't answer us in any clear way. So we're not quite sure how he would behave on that. When we look at Kwame Raul, the Democratic Attorney General who's running for a second term, what's notable about his record? What is he standing on? We mentioned the abortion issue, which uh, Kwame Raul has been really proactive on. He's also worked on uh, launching the statewide gun tracing database uh, to better enforce gun laws in the state. Mm-hmm. And what about Tom DeVore, the Republican challenger? Uh, you know, what is what is his position? So he came to prominence um, in a really interesting way. Um, he sued the state over their mask mandates. So that's how we first got attention in the state. And he's also done that with sex education. Um, There's these new sex education mandates that Tom DeVore has basically been teaching parents how to opt out of. Those sex education mandates would include things like teaching children about uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. Even beyond this election, what are ways to hold the attorney generals accountable 
I would say if there's one thing listeners want to do to hold the AG accountable, I would say it's like follow what they actually do. Like step one, mm-hmm. understand this office, understand the lawsuits they're filing or defending. Take like 30, 40 minutes to wrap your brain around things before stepping into the uh, voting booth um, to make sure you're voting for what like you actually believe in. Criminal justice reporter with WBEZ, Shannon Heffernan. Thank you for stopping by CityCast Chicago. Thank you. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Jonah Newman is managing editor of Injustice Watch and breaks down the Supreme Court races and how the outcome could affect the state for years to come. Jonah Newman, welcome back to CityCast Chicago. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be back. Can you give us some of the Supreme Court basics in our state? How many people are on the bench and how long are each of their terms? Yeah, so there are seven uh, Supreme Court justices in Illinois. They serve 10-year terms. Uh, Three of them are elected out of Cook County. The Supreme Court decides, um, you know, a very small number of cases, um, but often some of the kind of biggest and most, mm-hmm. uh, you know, thorniest issues. Yeah. What are some of those big issues? Yeah. So obviously, you know, the the number one that we'll talk about um, that's, you know, people are, are are focused on this year is obviously abortion access, right? Illinois has, you know, some of the, the, the most liberal and progressive, you know, abortion laws in the country, certainly in the Midwest, but some of those laws could be challenged in the future and, um, you know, could come before the, the Illinois Supreme Court and, and have in the past, uh, as a matter of fact. Criminal statutes and whether they're constitutional or not, um, you know, issues related to, you know, uh, I know there's a case a while back, right, that um, about whether Cook County could tax gun sales in a certain way and the Illinois Supreme Court said, no, they can't, right? So all kinds of different, you know, issues related to anything from criminal to, to civil law. Yeah, I was talking with Shannon Heffernoon about the attorney general's race, and obviously the Safety Act is, is big there. And that's something that is likely to come before the Illinois Supreme Court with challenges, you know, up and down. States attorneys across the state have challenged parts of the Safety Act. And um, those cases, I think, have been consolidated. And I would not be at all surprised if they uh, if those end up before the Illinois Supreme Court uh, at some point down, down the road. Right? I mean, it, it takes a while, right, but for cases to work their way through the system. Um, from the circuit courts to the appellate court, um, and then get appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court also gets to decide whether or not they take cases. Both at the state and federal level, we hear a lot of conversation around what it means to have a, a Democratic or a Republican majority and how that 
you know, shapes power at the Supreme Court level. How long have Democrats had a majority on the court in Illinois? Yeah, so it's been more than 50 years um, that Democrats have had a majority on the on the Supreme Court. Um, you know, again, a, a lot of that has to do with how blue of a state Illinois is, um, you know, and, and has been for, for that stretch of time. Also has to do with how the districts are drawn, right? And actually, um, the state legislature redrew the uh, those districts last year um, to go into effect this year. They say it was a reaction to population changes, but, you know, it, it was also to shore up some 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 seats across the, um, you know, kind of vulnerable Democratic districts. Yeah, it's a, it's a political process. And so um, they redrew the second and third uh, judicial districts, which used to run basically all the way across the northern half of the state, all the way um, to the, the western border of Illinois, and now really focused just on the collar counties. Obviously, Democrats hope that that uh, will give them a better chance of, of um, holding on to, the, to one of the seats that they hold and, and flipping the other seat uh, from Republican to Democrat. It's rare to see two competitive Supreme Court races in the same election cycle. What's different about this year? One of the races in the uh, in the third district um, is actually a race between a current Supreme Court justice, Michael Burke, uh, who was appointed to the second district, um, but got redrawn into the third district. Um, and so, um, you know, he he basically got you know now has to has to fight for his seat in a new district um, that was redrawn for that purpose and. Um, and then the other uh, seat is in the the second district, um, which is a, a seat between two newcomers, um, a uh, a Lake County judge, um, Elizabeth Rochford, and Republican Mark Curran, who's a former Lake County sheriff. Let's start with the third district, right? You you mentioned uh, Michael Burke is running against Democrat Mary Kay O'Brien. You know, when you listen to judicial candidates, a lot of what they say is very similar, right? It's like, I'm going to be impartial. I'm going to follow the the law. I'm going to interpret it as best I can. What separates these two candidates? How do they, you know, position themselves differently beyond their political affiliation? Yeah. So I think one of the things that's, that really is different this year, and and if you've been watching, you know, any TV at all, you've probably seen their ads, right? Um, you know, even here in Chicago, where we're not going to be voting in either of these races, uh, you know, I've seen ads and, you know, Bears games and World Series games and, you know, all kinds of other things right there, uh, spending a lot of money. And, you know, you'll see from uh, the Democratic candidates, especially the focus is on abortion rights. The focus is on, you know, access to abortion. And, um, you know, both of them are touting their uh, endorsements from um, abortion rights groups like Personal PAC, like, um, you know, Planned Parenthood PAC. You know, I think on the Republican side, they're being a little more coy uh, about where they stand on that issue in, in particular, although, um, both the both Republican candidates have been endorsed um, or recommended by by anti-choice pro-life groups. You know, with so many ads out, we got to ask, like, you know, where's all this money coming from? How much is being spent in these Supreme Court races? Governor J.B. Pritzker um, dropped, I think, uh, at least half a million into uh, one of the races. and I think maybe a million into the other one. Who are some of the PACs and the people behind them re- uh, funding Republican candidates? Yeah, so on the Republican side, there's a group Citizens for Judicial Fairness, which is backed by billionaire Ken Griffin, um, obviously a Florida you know, resident. familiar face on the Republican side of uh, you know Illinois politics, um, and you know they've been putting out ads tying the Democratic candidates to Mike Madigan and you know other officials that uh, you know often tend to to sway voters in the other direction. Are these in state, out of state? When we talk about these packs, do we know where a lot of this money coming from? Yeah, they're in state. Um, although actually, there was an interesting um, 
decision uh, just a few weeks ago, state legislature had passed a law um, banning out-of-state donations in judicial races uh, in particular, um, which actually was sort of specifically targeted at these very expensive uh, state Supreme Court races that we've had. That makes sense when your governor got those long pockets. It was like, I got outside, but everybody, you know, I can't get money <laughs> from out-of-state. My money coming from in-state. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, obviously most of the decisions that the Illinois Supreme Court hears have to do with parties that are in state, right? So, you know, I, I was looking to see, uh, are we going to get a ton of out-of-state donations in these last couple of weeks up, uh, before the election? I haven't seen a lot of that. Honestly, it's still been mostly um, those in-state groups um, on either side, um, you know, pouring money into into the campaign. Although we won't see for sure until, you know, final campaign disclosures are, um, are submitted uh, after the election. Taking redistricting in mind, what are Republicans' chances in these races? I actually haven't seen any polling mm-hmm. on these races. So I think it's it's one of those things where, right, you, you know, you get a lot of, of, of attention on the top of the ballot. You see polls over the governor's race, um, but you get down, you know, further to these down ballot races and um, and there's just a lot less information about them before the elections. The districts got redrawn in a way that I think is, um, you know, does benefit Democrats. And, and most of the counties, um, you know, the collar counties have uh, gone, you know, majority Democratic in the last, you know, in most recent elections. Um, but I, I do think they're still in that in that gray purple zone, right? Uh, of you know suburban Chicago, the collar counties, and and the exurbs. And so I think um, there's still still definitely a chance, you know, that they could be tied up in the the red wave that you know that nationally uh, people are expecting this year. How do we ensure judges are being fair after they're elected? That's a great question. You know, so I think the you know the key is is obviously you know these are ten year terms, and I think there's a reason for that, right? I think. So the goal is to, to some extent, um, you know, insulate Supreme Court justices from politics, right? So they're not running constantly. They're not having to, um, you know, justify their decisions to to the voters every every couple of years, right? So once a, a Supreme Court justice is elected, they're going to be there for 10 years, right? But you can keep an eye on what are the decisions that they're taking part in? Which side are they falling on? Um, you know, are there decisions that they're writing uh, or writing dissents in? And, and what are those where where do those fall politically, right? There are a lot of unanimous decisions, actually, uh, from the Illinois Supreme Court, right? A lot of things do end up coming down to, um, you know, legal, uh, you know, minutiae maybe, uh, or sort of consensus around um, the legal issues of a case. So not everything that goes before the Illinois Supreme Court is political, for sure. Why should Chicagoans care about these suburban races? Will it impact um, back on uh, us, you know, immediately? I think, you know, whether it's abortion access, whether it's um, you know, issues over the state budget or taxes or, um, you know, a wealth of other things that that, that do affect uh, Chicago and, and Cook County. You know, at some point in the next 10 years, uh, some of those issues are going to be before the Illinois Supreme Court and um, and the outcome of these races could could sway the, the decisions in those cases. Jonah Newman is an editor with Injustice Watch. We'll also drop a link to their Cook County Judicial Guide. Uh, Jonah, thank you for coming back on CityCast Chicago and breaking down for me uh, some of the most difficult information every time you show up. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, yeah, definitely go vote and and check out our guide at justicewatch.org slash judges. A reminder, polls close tonight at 7. If you haven't already, check with the State Board of Elections to find out your nearest polling place.
Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. City Council voted 32 to 18, passing Mayor Lightfoot's $16 billion budget. Now, the no votes included three alders who are running or considering a run for mayor. Alders who voted no also said Lightfoot has failed to deliver on her promises, including creating a Department of Environment and spending federal COVID relief dollars to help Chicagoans. For my South Shore neighbors, today at noon, Brave Space Alliance and Fresher Together are giving away 100 free bags of local produce at 2120 East 71st Street. It's first come, first serve. Remember, we're going to have election results for you bright and early tomorrow at 6 a.m. on the podcast and in the newsletter, including some background on a few key races and what this means going forward. Tap in at chicago.citycast.fm. And some good news to get you through. Thanksgiving ain't even hit the dough yet, and yet Christmas lights are already going up. Folks can attend Macy's annual tree lighting ceremony in the Loop Saturday at 11 a.m. The Millennium Park tree is officially going up next Saturday. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Tell your friends and family about CityCast Chicago. If you've told every single person you know, meet somebody new, Tell them about CityCast Chicago and maybe become best friends bonding over some of our numerous, unique 400 episodes. Sounds like a good afternoon if you ask me. All right, I'm going to talk to y'all tomorrow. Peace. And the news is still updating.